singer to singer. Sophie Bancroft in conversation with jazz vocalist Fiona Duncan. Episode 7, The Sixties. I know something, but I can't express it. Though there is no better time than now I keep hoping that someday you'll get it I've got to keep my feelings showing somehow And I should fall in love with you Do you think that you Might love me too Supposing I should take you And caress you you know, my agent was, he was Eric Houston, he was great. He had the, the Rolling Stones way back at the beginning. And, uh, of course, I was not in the same league as they were because they were, the kids were all, you know, raving. And by that time, I was, must have been about 29 or something, you know, too old to be a, a raving kid. <laughs> and uh, so the, the agent used to get me weeks in cavalry and I thought, no, I really don't like this. This is such a fake world, you know. It wasn't like doing gigs, mm. you know. It wasn't like doing a jazz gig. So then I started with... Um, I used to do a lot of broadcasting with Terry Lightfoot. Um, I did the very first... There was, at that time, I think this is 19... Mm, the first year the BBC ran on after 12 o'clock. Do you remember that, Don? No. Mm. Well, they used to close at midnight, the BBC shut down. And it, the only thing you could listen to after that was World Radio or, you know... And that was with Radio the test Luxembourg. card. We put the test card yeah. up. Yeah. So this was the very pilot show for the BBC in the Piccadilly Theatre in London. And... I'm sure it was New Year's Eve. I don't know what year it was New Year's Eve, but it was round about 70, maybe 71. So they asked me to do the show. And uh, it was with uh, Stan Reynolds' orchestra. He had his singer. The, there used to be a very famous band called uh, uh, the Don Lang Band, and it was called the Frantic Five. And I'd never, you know, they'd been famous for years and I'd never met them. And the producer said to me, Fiona, just pick out a couple of songs you want to sing. I'd like you to do this now and give them the chords, give them the, the music. And there's actually no time for rehearsals. So it's just, you know, we're going out in the street to interview people and coming back into the studio and, 
you know, mm. having a, a tune from you and then one from Stan Reynolds Orchestra and we've got guests and I'm saying, right. So we went up and I called the tune um, Fine Brown Frame in A flat. And in London, people used to think I was saying E <laughs> when I said A. So I heard this, the intro, which was a short intro, and immediately I knew this is not the right key. And I thought, well, I can't know it. it's live. I can't know it. it's going out network. So I just sang a wee tune round the chords that they were playing. But it was nothing like Fine Brown Frame. And I did the thing the whole way through. And at the end of it, it was fine. Everybody clapped and I had, there was an audience. And... I remember the Guinness family were in the audience and it was like, oh, I thought... And I came off and, and John King came up and said, that's a very unusual melody for Fine Brown Frame. <laughs> I said, it wasn't. It wasn't fine. I said, I was just singing the words, you know, and making up a tune because I couldn't sing it in that key. It was the wrong key. Those M, I should say, for you I yearn. What do you think? I'm speaking out of turn. Oh, I remember Roger Miller, you know, England swings like a phantom do. Always on rascals two by two. Mustn't me the turn of it then. The rosy red cheeks of the little children. And I was, oh, he was a tiny wee man and he was lovely. And I was so knocked out because I thought he swung, you know. Um, he did some really weird songs. Anyway, that was the first thing I did there. Then we, I got a lot of broadcasts with Kenny Ball, Terry Lightfoot, um, Bob Wallace Band and started doing gigs with them. And through the Bob Wallace connection, ended up years later going to Switzerland for long periods of time and doing the mountain gigs and the Casabar Jazz Club, which yes, was I remember you doing very, that. very, mm. very huge. You know, we did it for a month at a time and uh, seven nights a week. And it was, oh, it was great. It was a great club. Mm. And, you know, we had lots of people came in there from, you know, the Americans that were touring and people come in. It was just a great vibe and a good atmosphere and, you know, very expensive. Very expensive. <laughs> At the end of the Georgian, I remember I went over to the States and I went to the New Orleans Jazz Festival as a guest, not singing. I was asked to come over as a guest and met Billy Taylor, uh, who was the da 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 you know that theme they used to play for the movie and television over the movie night. And he was with Ellis Marsalis, who was Wynton Marsalis's and Bradford's father. And they were they were great, you know. We just I I found out a lot about how they ran things over there, which probably was the first thing that 
made me interested in trying to pass it on in a, another way, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but from that, I, I did most of the American jazz festivals, San Diego, Palm Springs, Sacramento, um, uh, Los Angeles, then the Ann Arbor festivals in in Detroit, and, uh, you know, just getting to know people, more people, good people. Monty Alexander, he was d- delightful. I did a two-hour broadcast with him, not singing, just talking, a chat show. And he had just, Emily Remler, his ex-wife, had, or his late wife had just died in mm. Australia and he was talking a lot about that we were just talking about on the radio this was for two hours mm. and we didn't stop mm. you know and he was just a delightful person and he gave a a great workshop you know in which he sang and he's a great singer mm. he sings like Nat King Cole his voice is like Nat King Cole you know beautiful voice yeah. and I couldn't believe it, what he was actually doing on piano and being able to sing as well, as mm. good as that. And I said to him, what do you, when you're singing, are you are you concentrating on what you're singing or what you're playing? You know, and he says, I don't know. It just comes out that way. <laughs> but he, he was great, you know, and sort of told us a lot about his early life in, in Jamaica and how he went to a... a public school and his father was a great jazz fan and he plunked school he said he had an appointment with the dentist and plunked school to go and see Louis Armstrong when he was 14 and and he said he saw Louis Armstrong and that's what you know set him on the back and I said oh there's a lot of people you know a lot of things that happen the same continents apart you know yeah yeah Supposing I declare it Would you take my love and share it From there, I think I decided I'd had enough of London, you know Can I ask before you move on from London Mm. Because you were there obviously through the 60s Yeah So what... What was your experience? I mean, how, how, what was, that must have been an extraordinary time. It to be was, there. but I'll tell you something. We were just a wee bit too old. Okay. You know, I mean, in saying that, I'm talking her now, her. I'm talking about 24. <laughs> you know, I used to go to Bieber's boutique and see all these, you know, but then I'm thinking, they're all just wee tiny girls, you mm. know, and trying to find something. But I went in with it, with both feet. I had courage boots, and I can remember coming up to Scotland in my black, shiny, plastic, it was a PVC Mac with a white stand-up collar and white courage boots and a denim suit under it. And my mother saying... My goodness, people are going to think you're a minister because <laughs> look, I've got a photograph of it and it does. It looks like a minister's collar, you know. And I said, well, that's pretty near the gospel. That'll do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
But I, well, I loved it. Um, but we were, you know, all the clubs that people were going to, uh, it was all younger kids. Same as in what happened in Liverpool with the Beatles, you know, at the Cavern. It was, you know, suddenly they were just, you know, babies. Mm. And yeah, that's the first time I sort of, I think the only time I felt my age, actually, you know, because I couldn't get into these wee, I couldn't wear a mini skirt, you know. I had, you know, a good hold in Scotland. I had very sturdy thighs. <laughs> and a mini, anything above my knees looked ridiculous, you know. <laughs> Try as I might. Not supposing I'm in love with you. Joe Gordon, the folk singer that I worked with when I was very young, his sister lived in London, Marguerite, and it just so happened I met her, not through any um, introduction or anything. I just discovered she was Joe's sister and didn't even know he had a wee mm. sister, you know. And we became firm friends. She lived in Chelsea, and we used to go to this club that she went to. She was into... Um, Marvin Gaye and all the Detroit sound, you know. And we used to go and listen to records in her house. I stayed with her for about three months uh, at one point. She was great. She worked for the uh, inspector of taxes. She was a tax inspector. And I kept thinking, how can you do that job, you know, and like this music? <laughs> but we used to go and see Rob Storm and the Whispers and a lot of young boy vocal groups, you know, who were doing... And I introduced them to the high-lows, you know, and uh, the, uh, the all the harmony stuff, mm. five trombones and, uh, and listening to the voicings of the instruments. And they loved it, you know, and they sort of started doing things from... which was great, yeah, you know, because yeah. uh, they'd never heard that before, you mm. know. But, I mean, I worked every night... Yeah which meant that I didn't ever want to do anything too uh, damaging to myself during the day, mm. you know, because when you're working seven... Yeah, we worked six nights in the Georgian and then uh, one night um, I went wherever, whatever gig was on, you mm. know. So it was seven nights mm. and just having to keep a check on your throat, you know. Yeah. Uh, and because, you know, that's if you lose that. And if you get too paranoid about it, you lose it, yeah, you know? States was great because I met so many good singers. I couldn't believe it, you know, every club you walked into. They were just, the singers were incredible. I mean, we went, when I did the Los Angeles Festival, which was uh, where I met Nellie Lutcher, um, and I had got a record, as I said, when I was young, of Nellie Lutcher, and I mean, I was maybe 13, 14 when I got the record, and I thought she was 
mm, I don't know how old I thought she was, but she was definitely, I thought she was old. And when I went over to the States singing some of her songs, I actually, I actually thought she was dead. Mm. And uh, when I did the gig in the main place in Los Angeles and a big sign at the door was uh, no cameras, and when I got in there, got on the stage, there was this huge camera in in front. And I'm thinking, <laughs> did he not see the notice? There's no camera supposed to be in here. <laughs> I didn't realise it was a television camera. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> me from Port and Cable. You know? <laughs> anyway, so they said right away... Uh, it, Fiona, we would like, we've got a request for you. We'd, we'd like you to do Fine Brown Frame. And this was the first number, and I said, just now, <laughs> right now. Yeah, and I thought, well, this is, I usually did it in the middle of my set or towards the end, and I thought, oh well. So I said, fine, and we did it, and at the end of it, every, and this camera was on me and then going into the crowd. Huge thing. And at the end, the man jumped up on the stage and he said, well, Fiona Duncan, that was uh, your rendition of Nelly Lutcher's fine brown frame. And he said, and now, today, as a surprise, I have you in the audience, Miss Nelly Lutcher. <laughs> and I went, oh. <laughs> And this girl came up. I mean, she looked, she didn't look much older than me. And it was Nelly Lutcher. She actually was, she was nearly 80 then. But she looked great, mm. you know. And I thought, I didn't know what I thought. I can't say, I thought you were dead, you know. <laughs> but she scooped me up with her sister. Her sister was Maggie, and she was a missionary. And I think she took it on board that, that she was going to save me because, you know, being a jazz singer, yeah. and her sister was a jazz singer, but she was a good lady, and she wasn't too sure about me. <laughs> So we went back to, she took me back in in our pink Vauxhall Velux. No, it was it was a, one of these, a Cadillac. It was pink, pale pink. And it was 1950-something, not a mark on it. Beautiful, huge. And she couldn't reach across the seat to open the window. It didn't have, you know, open the door. It didn't have... or click doors that you could do and she sort of said darling can you reach in and open that door and I said yes so I reached in and she was miles away you know and she couldn't see over the dashboard <laughs> and I can remember driving through Los Angeles and thinking God, what if I don't ever get back again where am I I don't know where I live you know and so she took me through and she's driving through, it was just at the time of the riots in Los Angeles and she lived in, right in the centre and she was driving along and she's saying that guy's in jail for murder he's a drug dealer and I'm thinking (laughs) and she came to this beautiful wee house on a corner all walled in and it was all art deco I mean really she had the gluggy water thing, the water cooler. Didn't drink tea, didn't drink coffee. That was God's stuff. You know, God said, don't drink that. So, But she wasn't, you know, she was religious, but not 
boringly yeah. so, you know. She said, right, just come in, take your shoes off, come sit down, I'll show you the garden. We went out in the garden, and she had two pergolas. We didn't have them over here then, in the garden. And it was all uh, beautiful plants and a patio out the back. And come out and sit and have a glass of water. So we went out, and then I just looked down and I said, oh... There's a snail, you know, on the ground. Now, the two grandchildren, John and Sean, used to go out and play at squash the snails, and I used to, you know, I used to be really angry at them. I'd say, don't do that. They're living things. They can't help being snails. Stop <laughs> squashing them. And she just, and I, said, I was going to take it and throw it over the wall, but she just went oh. with her foot and squashed it. And I went, um. <laughs> but then she took me in and she said, right, tonight we're going out. She says, we're going to go to the Cinegrill, which is the big nightclub in Hollywood. I've booked the table and it's Laverne Baker that's on. And she was one of my favourites from yeah. way back, yeah. you know. Great singer. She sang with uh, Buck Clayton Band. Great singer. Did all the Bessie Smith stuff with a uh, a different twist. And I thought, oh, gosh. So we went and she said, right, go and have a lie down. And so I said, OK, I'm going into my bedroom and had a lie down. And then she came come through and she said, which one would you like? And on later on the shelf, she had about 24 wigs all there, she just took one off, put it on an empty block, lifted the next one and put it on. And, I, and she says, would you like to wear one? And I said, mm -mm, you know, my hair's big hair anyway. I said, no, I think I would be too hot, you know. <laughs> so we went to the Cinegrill and we got these seats and we're sitting there and she kept saying to me, she, Nellie kept saying to me, Go talk to Laverne! And I kept saying, I've not been introduced, I don't know her. Just go tell her you're here, Laverne! <laughs> and, and then this guy came over and knelt down at her feet and he's talking away to her and gazing up at her eyes, beautiful. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, that's Burt Reynolds. And oh. it was Burt Reynolds at Nelly Lutcher's feet and I thought, Gosh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I was there with his new wife at the time and I uh, can't remember her name. But, you know, so and I had to go up and meet Laverne. I was, I was actually quite embarrassed, you know, because I was a singer from Scotland. <laughs> I'm a jazz singer from Scotland. Oh, I, you know. And uh, But there was a singer there that had been at the Los Angeles Festival who... Was a friend of Laverne's was sitting in the front. She says, "Oh, she's Laverne. You love her. She's great." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, it's no, you are." I remember, great singer. I can't remember her name. Terrible. Anyway, but I mean, it was just. This has been such a. It, it's been such a full life, and more things I've forgotten than I'm ever going to remember if I live another full life. You know. <laughs> I should say For you I yearn 
what do you think? I'm speaking out of turn. Supposing I declare it. Would you take my love and share it? I'm not supposing I'm in love with you. I'm not supposing I'm in love with you. This episode featured the songs Bozin from Fiona Duncan's CD Young and Foolish, released by 10 to 10 Records. It's available to buy from propermusic.com. You can hear more tracks by Fiona Duncan at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Fiona Duncan. Singer to Singer is a Sophie Bancroft production. Visit www.sophiebancroft.co.uk for more information. Mama.